Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. That might be a slight exaggeration. Jason DeRussia is off today. I'm Dave Schrader filling in on Drive Time with DeRussia. Thank you all for joining me, spending a little time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you live long enough, you watch the building and falling of many great things in life. And if you are like me and always looking for good entertainment, uh, an era has come to an end, an era I'm not ready to quite let go of. So somewhere in a bunker, In some undisclosed area, I have a man tied to a chair, forced to talk to me today as we discuss this ridiculous notion that he's retiring. Comedian Bill Ingvall is sharing his final ball bow with his (laughs) final comedy special, Here's Your Sign, It's Finally Time. December 5th was released. You can rent and purchase it on several platforms, including Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, and YouTube. Bill, uh, are you sober now, and you realize that that was a mistake in the press release? Well, first off, let me say this bunker is fairly nice. Uh, <laughs> it was not what I expected from from your caliber of man. But, yeah, this is uh, – listen, I wouldn't want to live here 24-7. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's good. First off, it's great talking to you again. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it finally hit that point that I thought, I've done everything I wanted to do in this business, and now it's time to spend some time with the grandkids and my kids and my wife. And uh, it was it was a decision that took a while to come to. Well, let me let me just throw this out there to you because I've been spending a lot of time at home with my kids and grandkids, and I'd like to go on the road as a Billingvall tribute act, where I just go do all of your comedy bits, <laughs> and I'll split it with you twenty eighty. You seem to have earned that twenty percent, Bill. So I'm willing to give it back to you. Well, that's, that's you know that's so big of you. Eh, uh, I'm a giver. <laughs> although I, I think I think you might get awfully tired of doing poop and fart jokes. <laughs> I, I, what part of I have kids and grandchildren at home? Did you not grasp? That's all I've got are poop and fart jokes. Uh, listen, now, you know, buddy, it's uh, it was uh, I had been thinking about. I mean, listen, I've, I've been doing this for been on the road for forty two years, right? And, uh, it, it does take it out of you. Uh, you know, and I, as I get older, uh, you know, I just, it was what happened. What like uh, the best way I can say it is when I first started out in this business, I'd be packed two or three days before I had to leave. And towards the end, I found like 20 minutes before I got to get in the car to go to the airport. I'm throwing stuff in a bag. And, uh, it's, uh, it just, I, I realized at that time and then not to, be modeling about it but when uh my my good buddy bob saget died mm. uh that that was a I, i'd be lying if i didn't say that was a a big point to me because i always told my wife that was my biggest fear was dying on the road and uh you know the longer you do this the better chance that's going to happen so i just uh i i decided that and, and when i went to, of course i had to go to my wife gail and, and tell her and she said, that's fine. She goes, if you want to retire, but she made me laugh. She goes, just make sure you're ready. She goes, so. <laughs> and and I, uh, are you? I mean, you had a chance. You've been arresting now. You, you, you did kind of your farewell tour. You shot this 
uh, amazing comedy special. But every day, dumb people are doing dumb things, Bill, and somebody needs to talk about it. And uh, it's going to be weird not having you there. Well, listen, I never say never. Uh, I mean, if somebody came up with stupid money, there's probably a good chance they'd get a Bill Ingvall show. But uh, it was just the the the, con- the day in, day out. Gotcha. Uh, and it was, you know, I don't know. If, if you haven't been on the road, you, you don't know. Uh, you know, I, I remember the story that years ago, uh, Gail was said, I want to go on the road with you. And I said, okay. I said, well, we're going to do what I do on the road. You know, we're not going to go shopping and seeing right. things. It's like you sit in a hotel room for 22 and a half hours and your highlight of your day is looking forward to get taking a shower to go to the show. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, let me say this, that I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was going to miss it. I, I, I miss, there's things about the, the this business I miss greatly. Uh, I was doing an interview the other day and somebody said, what do you miss the most? And I said, when you're standing off stage and you hear the, that murmuring of the crowd as, right before they introduce you, uh, that's who always got my juices going. And uh, listen, I don't regret a second of the, my career. I've been so blessed to have achieved every goal I've set in front of myself. And I always said that I never wanted to do this just for a check because that's not fair to the fans uh, that are buying, you know, spending their hard-earned money uh, to come see your show. And I, I just wasn't as excited about it as I used to be. And maybe that's a natural progression after that long on the road. But uh, if I was to ever go back out on the road, it'd be a completely different show. I don't know what that show would be, but uh, it's uh, right now I'm enjoying every second of this. I get to play golf with my wife and uh, we have dinners together on a Friday and Saturday night, which was unheard of for many, many years. And, uh, so it's all good. You know, I, I can say that with, with, with my pure heart that, that it's, there was, once I made the decision, there wasn't a, uh, I didn't, I didn't have any seller's remorse. <laughs> Do you, did any of the current atmosphere and the way things kind of flipped on entertainment and entertainers have any impact? I mean, to me, I, part of what I love about your comedy is that I could sit down and watch it anytime, any place, anywhere, even little clips that you put up on Instagram, uh, they can, They just make me happy. They make me laugh. I never have to worry that my kid's going to overhear something I didn't need them to know or pose a question I'm going to have to answer and make it uncomfortable for both right. of us. So, I, you know, I don't know that yeah, your humor fits into that realm as much, but did that have no, an No, but I know what you're talking about, and yes, yes, it did. Uh, something happened in society. I'm not sure what it was, uh, but... I, and I'm going to go back to this because I honestly believe this, whether this was staged or not, but when Will Smith on national TV walked up and slapped Chris Rock, it's almost like that gave the audience the okay to be a part of the show. And uh, it's not, you're not, you know, listen, we love our fans. We love the people that come see the show, but, but we've been doing this for a long time and we can do it without your help. But I think, it, you know, I tell you, it, the other thing is, it used to be that comedy was the release valve. I mean, that right. was where you went to a comedy club or a comedy show and you laughed and, you know, maybe hopefully turned a bad day into a good day. It seems like lately that it's become the, the igniter. It's like that people are going to shows hoping you're going to say something that offends them so they can holler out or rush the stage or whatever it is. And when you have to worry about that, then you can't give your full focus to the show you're doing for the other people. 
That's an excellent point. You know, I mean, again, we always think about, oh, you got to worry about the political correctness and what you may or may not say. But there are there are so many people just looking for reasons to get upset. And what's boggling. Well, and, yeah. And like you said, my show, you'd have to go pretty far out on a limb <laughs> to find something. But there but you don't you just don't know anymore. Right. I can't uh, I can't know. believe you fish billing all those fish have feelings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you I, I had something happen on the road. And it was nothing bad, but it, but it made me realize things are different. Uh, I was doing a, a, a joke about, in fact, it's in the special about uh, me giving my son a pocket knife for his birthday when he was younger. And a guy in the middle of the bit walks up to the front of the stage and tosses a pocket knife on the stage. Now, he didn't, he didn't like throw it at me or it wasn't open. But I thought, what made you think this would be okay? You know, or, or like the guy that threw the cell phone at that singer and it hit her in the head. It's like, what? I don't understand the thinking. And uh, and I just at that point, I went, it, it's time. Cause, and the other thing was, buddy, I I always wanted to retire. I knew this job wasn't going to last forever. I mean, I think if you do, you're 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 fooling yourself. Um, but I didn't want to be that act that hung on too long or that became that grouchy old man on stage. Uh, <laughs> and, and I could feel that starting to happen because you're on the defensive. Right. Uh, and so I just thought it's, this is the way to go out. I'm at the top of my game. Uh, and, and that was where I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to leave with people saying, Oh man, I'm going to miss that guy instead of, well, he should have quit last year. <laughs> Bill, we have to take a quick break. Could you hang in for just a few more minutes after the break? I just sure, man. I, a question sure. I want to throw to you, and we'll come back and discuss it. Is uh, with the political correctness, the overswing to make sure everybody's feelings are taken into account. There's obviously good and bad sides to that, but then there are comedians that seem to rise above that. That no matter what they say or do, they seem to just have it roll off their back. And and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on on. Comedians like Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle, who has taken some flack, but he continues to rise above that. Right, what right. is what is that buoyancy factor? We'll talk more about that when we return. The brand new comedy special, Billing Vault, Here's Your Sign, It's Finally Time, is out and available. You can rent and purchase it on several platforms, including Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and YouTube. We'll talk more with Billing Vault right here on Drive Time with DeRussia at News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Christmas lights on my house, you know the kind that blink on and off. My neighbor comes over and says, hey, Bill, how do you get those to blink on and off like that? I said, I got my son inside, plugging it, unplugging it, plugging it, unplugging it. Here's your sign. He is possibly the real king of all media. Podcasts, radio shows, books, TV, live concerts, and apparently Christmas song. Uh, Bill Engvall. (laughs) 
Amazing. I How did that song escape me when I told Charlie, my producer, that I was coming in today and you were going to be on? He's like, we're doing Christmas music. I've got Bill Ingvall's Christmas song. I'm like, Bill Ingvall has a Christmas song? And there it is. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you know, when, when we wrote that thing, uh, I had no idea, but it's a song that will be played around Christmas time for years to come. It it's a and now I know why it'll be played at the Schrader home. That's for sure. Bill, it, it was right up there with Grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> you got nudged out just by that one, right? Just by that. If it hadn't been for that, I'd have gotten the Grammy. <laughs> Jeez, what a jip. Uh, Bill, his brand new and final, well, for the time being, uh, comedy special. Here's your sign. It's f- finally time. Is out and available. You can find it on Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, and YouTube to rent or buy. Before the break, I asked you about uh, the kind of awkwardness out there for comedians right now and everybody trying to make sure that they can tow this kind of imaginary, always shifting line. But then you've got your Ricky Gervais, your Dave Chappelle's comedians like that, that seem to be able to push the boundaries and not get the same flack for it. What is your take on that? Well, you know, I, that's a great question. Uh, I think that there are guys that they do, they thrive on that. Uh, I just, I've always been of the mind, I don't want to take the, I don't want to have to waste my time dealing with one guy who's disrupting the show when I've got 2,500 other people that bought tickets to see it. Right. Uh, but I, I, you know, guys like Bill Burr and, uh, and the guys you mentioned, I, I do think I, I have the most respect for them because they can do that. Uh, I wish that maybe I had a little thicker skin, but uh, I, I, I I don't know. I just it. I don't want to do a show like that. Uh, and right. and, and you've got to commit to a you got to commit to a show like that. You know, you right. can't just dabble in that. That's what I've noticed is they sink their feet. And I love that Ricky Gervais during a comedy show is basically teaching you the fundamentals of comedy because he'll say a joke that's very offensive and, and rude and then turn to you to go this. Is, you realize that's a joke and he's getting the laughs on both the joke and then the description of what a joke is and how it works. Right. So, so it's an interesting right. dynamic that, hey, if I if I accept this, I bring you into the joke with me, maybe you'll get a better handle on it. It's It's been fascinating to me to watch some of the guys at the top of their craft reshaping the dynamic of people's thoughts, taking people that are kind of angry and agitated and using that energy back against them. And I know that's not your style. Well, you, I just, you hope, yeah, it was you, confusing. You hope, that's, you hope that's the outcome, but sometimes it's not. I mean, so, you know, I always, one of the, there, there was a, one of the main rules of comedy was never give somebody the microphone, uh, which is, you, you know, and in the same sense, it's like, if you let them know, like, I, I always had that feeling, Dave, if I, if I bring you into the show, now you've become part of it. And I've got to at some point figure out how to get you out of the show and get back to my show. <laughs> and so already I've had to deal with so much I didn't want to have to deal with. So, and, and I always said, you know, when I was touring heavy, I just, I used to tell people, I just want you to come out, sit back, relax and laugh. I, I, I've got the rest of it covered. And uh, the other thing you got to worry about is if you bring somebody into the show, there's a chance they may be funnier than you. And then what do you do? <laughs> what was what was better for you on the road? Obviously, you played huge arenas. I saw you here, I believe it was at uh, Target Center with uh, the uh, Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Um, and right. I think you guys were playing in the round. It was amazing. 
doing a huge setting like that, kind of the middling theaters or doing comedy clubs? What what was really kind of your best vibe? Um, I always loved the, the PACs, the Performing Arts Centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clubs were fun when you were starting out because you, you're young and you don't care. You know, because, uh, you know, generally uh, when you were working the comedy clubs, there was always that Saturday, Friday night, yuck for a buck, you know, you and your buddy, you know, no, they don't know who you are. They're just there to have a good time. And it, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it wasn't. But, uh, and the arenas, while, you know, playing, listen, I'm not going to lie to you, playing arenas was a blast because, you know, you realized you had made it. But at some point, I, I remember I used to walk out on the stage before they let the crowds in and I'd stand there and I'd look and I go, somebody's just going to watch this on a big video screen. And so I always said that comedy was very intimate. So I always felt like the, the halls that were 1500 to 2,500 seats were the best. That was uh, you know, it's a theater and, and it's, and the theaters also kind of set a different ambiance when people come in, you know, they, they're there to see a concert, a show, whereas like a club or a casino, it's a, it's just a party atmosphere. And the older I got, the less party and I was doing, and there's nothing worse than it's like arriving at a new year's Eve party late, you know, right. <laughs> everybody's already plastered and you're not going to catch up. So, you know, well, not with so, that yeah, attitude. I, I would, if I, yeah. I had the same attitude. That attitude I had, the, the, as I said earlier, the, the, the performing arts centers were always my favorite. Did you, when you go out on stage in these big auditoriums, these big, you know, uh, theaters and such, and you look at all of these empty seats and then you go back on stage for the show to the roar of the crowd. Was it ever emotional for you? Did you ever f- kind of feel almost overwhelmed by the moment choked up? Oh yeah. 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 That was, uh, you know, there's, I think the people be lying if they tell you they didn't. Uh, I mean, cause I always looked at it as like, these weren't just people coming to my show. These are people who spent money to get a babysitter, to buy the tickets, to go out to dinner. And so, you know, and, and it's at the, some of the ticket prices, you know, you're talking two, 300 bucks. Right. So, you know, that meant a lot to me that, that they would choose me to spend their money on. Uh, and I, and I never, I never forgot that. Uh, but like with the special, that, that was, that was an interesting emotional, uh, I didn't, realize how emotional it would be when I said goodnight for the last time. And, uh, but it, it was, it, but then I realized that's, I'm comedy is what's defined me for the last 42 years. And, you know, I understand now better when athletes retire, you go, why is he getting all choked up? You had a great career because that's all you've done. And all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore. Right. And I know I, I remember about a month after I retired, I, I told my wife, I said, it's, it's weird. I said, I feel like I should be working, but I don't want to. And she goes, well, you're not working. I go, I know, but I've done it for so long that I feel like, oh, my God, am I, am I missing a date or something? Uh, and so it, it takes a little bit to adjust uh, to, to, to saying that. Uh, I mean, Ron uh, White retired, and now I think he had the shortest retirement in the history of retirements. He's already back out on the road. Well, there's so, the Rolling Stones. We had the rolling stuff. <laughs> I think, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's what it's in your DNA. Just, you know, I love stand up and I love what I did. Uh, but I always knew I wasn't going to do this all my whole life. I knew that there would come a point when I'd go, okay, that's enough. 
And, uh, but some people have, they have to have that stage rush, you know, that, right. and it's, it's a, it, it is a drug. I, I will tell you that because, you know, you, it's easy to sit there and go, wow, these people are paying to see me. It's not like I'm just part of a show. You know, it's, uh, you know, when I was with Blue Collar, that was really fun, but they were paying to see all four of us. Right. But when you're out on your own, you know, it's a pretty humbling thought that that when you drive in and there's a parking lot full of people, there's a line of people coming out the door and they're there to see you. And that's, that's a, that's a really wonderful feeling that it's, uh, you know, it's like Huey Lewis's song. I want a new drug. That's, it, it was a drug, even though he was talking about love, but it was a, and in a sense, I love the business. I love what I did. Well, thank you for being our comedy pusher for all those years and delighting us and bringing family-friendly humor to all of these homes around the world, Bill. It's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you today and being a fan of yours for all these years. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, buddy, I, I can't thank you enough for your support. And one of these days, now that I'm retired, I'm going to go with you to see a ghost. <laughs> All right, we'll make that happen. Bill Engvall, his final comedy special is out. Here's your sign. It's finally time. You can find it for purchase or rent on Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, YouTube. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little Minnesota Vikings. This is Drive Time with Russia. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back. This is Drive Time with the Russia. I'm Dave Schrader sitting in for Jason. Joining me now, Alec Lewis, Vikings beat writer for The Athletic. Alec, welcome to the show. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Another week uh, off of the bye week, and uh, the Vikings are ready to ready to rock this weekend in Las Vegas. Should be uh, should be a fun one. Man, I hope so. I, you know, I will tell you, I am originally from Illinois, so I grew up a Bears fan. I moved here 35 years ago. I've switched uh, sides. I'm a Vikings fan, but I've, I've told my friends and family, being a Vikings fan to me is sometimes like taking your sister to prom. You get to go, but you know you're never going to score in the big game. So it's kind of, it's killing me that we keep getting such amazing players that can do remarkable things and then nothing comes of it. And here we are looking down the barrel of something pretty impressive. Jefferson hopefully returning and back to full steam. Dobbs, who I think did not have a fair shake the last two games, but this one should give us a little bit more insight. What are your thoughts this week? Yeah, Justin Jefferson will be back. And um, probably any analysis on this game and this team right now has to start there, just considering the gravity that this guy has. Um, both in the passing game and for what he does uh, in the run game. I mean, defenses have to literally transform what they've done most of the year and adapt uh, differently against the Vikings because of Justin Jefferson uh, than they do any other team. So I expect him to to have a really big role. He's not a guy who is probably going to be ushered back in slowly. They may limit him a little bit just so uh, just to keep him uh, on the right track. But he's 100%. He's, he's ready to go, go, and that should help an offense that has been sputtering these last couple weeks. You mentioned Josh Dobbs, and um, these last couple weeks have been really kind of the polar opposite of the first two weeks that he had in his time here. Getting him back on the right track is the key and, and has been the objective inside the building. It's going to take a lot of different things, but it's going to start with uh, him maintaining possession of the football. If this Vikings team does not turn the football over, they're probably going to be pretty successful beginning Sunday and and, uh, in the weeks to come. Well, the nice thing is by having Jefferson back, obviously we've offered uh, you know a very deep threat, somebody that's going to be watched, which I think is going to free Dobbs up to be more Dobbs. 
Uh, the guy is a really great threat on our team. He's a great quarterback. I think he's got a lot of potential. And when you consider he came in those first two weeks, other teams didn't have a chance to adapt and ready themselves for what we were about to unleash. The last two weeks, they got better. They were they were readied. Some of the turnovers, obviously attributable to him, and there were a few that probably should have happened. But the fact is, there were a lot of deflections, things that are out of his control, and people are calling for his head after those two games. Listen, we've got a lot of problems uh, with our quarterbacks. They are putting up stellar numbers, doing remarkable things, but not winning games, not getting us where we need to be when it comes right down to it. With this, what are your thoughts? I mean, with this uh, return of of Jefferson and Dobbs as a running and a passing threat, how, how prepared should Vegas be for this team? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because the comment you just made, I mean, it, it makes me think of a lot of things, and it and it it's something I thought about, uh, thought a lot about beginning after that Monday night loss against Chicago, and yeah. really, it, to me, it's like answering this question: How much of of Dobbs' turnovers and his struggles is a byproduct or is a result of of his own play, and how much of it is a result of maybe a lack of adaptability from the coaching staff slash just a lack of execution from the 10 players around him. And this is what makes football so fascinating is you can, you cannot uh, whittle down. You cannot really just assign strict responsibility to one guy or two guys, because it does take not only the 11 players on the field to all, all accomplish their tasks, but also the coaching staff to put them in positions. And so for me, these last, this last week, the bye week, uh, it, it allows a lot of things. It allows reflection from the coaching staff to make sure that they're doing everything they can to surround Josh Dobbs with the type of system and the type of plays uh, that suit his skill set, which is, as you mentioned, the athleticism, the mobility. I think in the last week and a half, it also has given them time to realize a couple of other things, like which players uh, besides Dobbs on offense have struggled, which elements of the rhythm and the timing of the offense has Josh Dobbs struggled to adapt to himself. And so, you asked the question, I believe, at the beginning of, of how prepared will the Raiders be. I mean, they, they will try, and uh, they do have some defensive talent. Max Crosby, one of their edge rushers, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Um, their their defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, has had varying degrees of success in the NFL. Uh, so they, 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 it's not like it's going to be a team that you could just run over, but they are weak in the secondary, and they are going to be facing an offense that has had time to adapt. So Minnesota is in a pretty solid position. Again, if they can hold on to the football, things should probably uh, look pretty solid on Sunday. We football fans are a fickle lot, aren't we? I mean, that first week Dobbs comes in, what was he here, less than 24, 48 hours, didn't even know the playbook, and was on his, what, second or third team this season already, came out, led us to two victories. The world was ready to bow to the feet of the cosmonaut that's now part of our uh, our, our lineup, and then you have a couple of weeks where you still don't have your, your best wide receiver. Uh, you know, there's a few mishaps because now you're trying to learn the new, and he's probably more in his head than he was those first two games where maybe he was playing more animalistic, if you will, right? He was, I don't have this. I'm going to go with what I can do. And and now they're regimenting him into a new line, and he's got to learn that and, and find that free-flow mix of what they want and what he can represent playing a game like this yeah and you said at the top of that fans are 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 i mean that's part of what makes this league so fun is that every single every single week it it feels like the reaction from probably the from fans from media for everybody is either like this team's as 
as fluid and, and dominating or this team's lost it and there's no way they're going to find it again. I mean, that's kind of how the narrative seems to move on a week-to-week basis in this league, and it's what makes it fun. And, I, I mean, part of the fan reaction is why – uh, why well, I think I and, and a lot of people really enjoy it. So I'll never say to, to anybody to react a certain way. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there are just so many layers to um, adapting to a new quarterback when you, you planned all offseason to have Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins and you structured everything around that. And when you have a, a new guy, uh, I mean, you, you it, it takes a lot of getting used to, a lot of, um, I don't know, just it takes time, it takes consistency, it takes, uh, just a deeper communication understanding of what each party expects and wants. And, and none of this is to say that Josh Dobbs is perfect. I mean, if he were a perfect quarterback, he would have been drafted higher most likely, and he would have been implemented by multiple teams before this. So it's not like the Vikings are working with um, a surefire uh, option, but, but he does have a skill set that they believe they can surround uh, him and, and adapt to. And so how they're able to do that or how they're not able to do that is, it's something that will be uh, very fascinating to follow. Now, obviously, we've got a lot of other players that are power players on this team that have been stepping up in the absence of Cousins and Jefferson. What are we looking at injuries-wise? Is there any surprises on the schedule uh, for this game? Do we have anybody returning to that you think are going to start to help bolster our, our offense and defense? Yeah, so Caleb Evans, um, it, it was a starting quarterback cornerback uh, for the team throughout the first, I would say, man, 10 weeks of the season. He had a little calf injury, believe in the game against New Orleans at U.S. Bank Stadium that has sidelined him, uh, sidelined him both against Denver and against Chicago on Monday night. He will be back Sunday, so that should help the secondary against a pretty stout Raiders wide receiving core. Uh, other than that, from an injury perspective, I mean, the, you're, you're still without, Vikings are still without Jordan Hicks and Marcus Davenport and some of these uh, bigger names, but the defense has been pretty solid uh, really most of the year uh, and, and especially lately. And so I just think all around as you assess this game um, and you assess this Raiders team, which has had a little bit of a spark after firing their head coach, Josh McDaniels, as you assess this thing just holistically, it's hard not to think the Vikings have a pretty solid advantage in a lot of different facets. And again, as long as they do not uh, hurt themselves, it, it, it's pretty easy to see the avenue at which they win this football game. Now the NFL is crazy, and the Vikings have had uh, a tendency to hurt themselves, so mm. uh, you never know. Oh, it sounds like you've watched this team. Uh, they they have hurt themselves. They make some uh, uh, sometimes what seems like really bad crunch decisions, uh, but yet we've got an impressive, exciting team, but is it enough to get us into the playoffs? Do you think that's going to happen for us this year? It's the ultimate question. If I had the crystal ball, I'd probably be paid a lot more. Um, I will tell you that the Green Bay Packers have won three in a row, and they uh, seem to be an ascending team right now, which um, is it's got to be frustrating for Vikings. You right. finally are rid of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love, their quarterback, has kind of uh, found a level of consistency that I did definitely did not see coming. Uh, but their def- defense, especially the front, is pretty talented, and they're – their final five games, their schedule that I'm talking about Green Bay is pretty easy comparatively. So it's going to be tough uh, going mano a mano against the Packers down the stretch. And then the Los Angeles Rams is another team that is fighting for an NFC wildcard spot that has been pretty hot lately. Um, they've done some really interesting things offensively and then have, have, have a lot of young talent that is 
um, kind of uh, acclimated to this level. So it's not an easy test for the Vikings. It's, it's not going to be easy for the Vikings to, to sneak their way in here. Winning one of the last two games at minimum, probably both games they should have won would have really helped. But this is where they are. They're 6-6, six and, six, and, and and this game is going to dictate – I mean, I believe I saw – uh, some metric yesterday where it's like if you win this game, you got a 54 chance of reaching the playoffs. If you lose it, it drops down to like 28%. So this game, um, as every game, is, is at this point of the season, it's going to be really important if the Vikings want to compete uh, when the games matter more than they do now. Minnesota loves being an underdog, man. We love having that pressure on us. Hopefully that's going to push us. And again, like you said, we've got important games coming up with Green Bay and two against Detroit. Those are going to be telling. Uh, it's it's my fingers are crossed. That's all I'm going to say. I wanted to ask you too, real quickly. You know, you said who saw love coming. I did. He's on my fantasy team. He's been a starter since the beginning. Uh, here's something I'm interested in: the watching the last two years, especially as a fantasy football aficionado, we've done all of these things to make things safer for our players, and we seem to be suffering more and more injuries to our lead players. What do you think is the correlation going on here? Are you speaking Viking specific or just league-wide? Across the league, it's been crazy to me. I mean, there's been times half my bench is out, <laughs> and I'm like, Mike, these are all the top players. How are we? We're protecting our quarterbacks. We're protecting our, our, our wide receivers and running backs and some of our key players in this deal, and they're still getting just destroyed. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my anecdotal answer, which is just not that scientific, and I apologize for it, but, it, I mean, <laughs> it's just a really violent game. Like, I mean, it, 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 and now, I mean, we could talk about injury rates, and I'm talking, that's more of the science and the statistics right. that, I, I honestly, as you asked the question, that's something I should definitely dive into further. But, um, I mean, I don't know. It feels as if these athletes are as explosive and athletic and, and big and strong as they've ever been and fast as, as they've ever been before. And when you have – those types of athletes clashing against one another, um, and it's probably not going to lead to the safest yeah. environment. I mean, there are a lot of injuries. I mean, you talk just locally, like Kirk Cousins' Achilles injury, Aaron Rodgers' Achilles. Some of those, the Achilles frequency is something that is another just statistical data, um, probably inquiry that I would I, I have and I'm interested. But um, I bet the I, I mean, NFL's I, I looking know. at it too because they they're losing money when they don't have their premier guys out there. Uh, Alec, I gotta let you go. Alec Lewis, Vikings beat writer for the Athletic. Thanks a lot for joining us. Stay tuned. We've got more drive time with the Russia right here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.